Hello, my little sugar cubes. Welcome to the Fitness Manifest Podcast. If you are not a clue on what to do, let's restore what to do. Side effects might include motivation, empowerment, giggles, enlightenment, inspiration. Welcome to the Fitness Manifest Podcast. My name is Teresa Sedeno. I'm a personal trainer helping you uh, learn about the body, learn how to reach your goals in a healthy and manageable way, and, you know, have fun. Today, I have Jen, is it Haddix? Is that how I'm pronounced? Haddix. Yes, okay. everybody messes that up. It's okay. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, it's your name. I want to say it correctly. Um, Jen is a, a yoga instructor, uh, yoga teacher, and a self-love coach. Her podcast, The Self-Love Yogi, teaches listeners different ways to incorporate self-love into your day-to-day action and also just talks about like real-life issues and, and things that, you know, really makes you like pause and think and say, you know, all those aha moments like, yeah, you're right. So I really, you know, loved and enjoyed listening to her, her podcast. And so I definitely recommend you guys listen to it because it's it's similar energy, similar messages between um, my podcast and hers. But welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm glad you like the podcast so much. And I'm so excited to be on yours. There you go. Um, can you kind of just talk a little bit about like, you know, what, what your your mission is or you know why you started your podcast and let's start from there yeah um well and like i told you before we started the show my mission has shifted a little bit and i'm kind of shifting from self-love as a blanket thing from to self-care and self-love and the differences and for me self-love really has been about self-discovery and so and as you've noticed on my podcast i do get a little bit raw so i hope that's okay on here but i have a lot of childhood trauma that I went through, which led to a lot of just really treating myself like crap and just doing really horrible things to myself. And that journey has led me into finding tools for self-love, self-discovery, and basically taking charge of my own life and not blaming my circumstances on the things that happened to me as a kid. And I think that takes a lot of self-care, self-love and showing up for yourself every single day. And so many people are in pain. So many people are in emotional pain. They don't realize where it comes from. So many people are holding on to things that no longer serve them and it's keeping them from being who they are here to be. And so my mission really is to help as many people wake up to who they really are as possible. I love it. I I think there needs to be more of uh, just real talk. You know, that's what I'm going to call it. Real talk in the sense of, you know, everything isn't always just, you know, flowers and daisies. Sometimes, you know, you know, life gives you some hard punches and learning how to manage that um and learning how to you know I don't like to say overcome because I feel like it's always like a lifelong journey you know there's ups and downs but you know to manage it and and to thrive with it um and I feel like that that really has a big impact into you know the health and fitness um your individual health and fitness because all of that mental you know things that are happening mental emotions um feelings and thoughts that we have about ourselves or our situation affects, you know, our motivation to, you know, to work out, to take care of ourselves, you know, how we eat, all that stuff. So I think it's, it's, it's great that you're addressing it and I, and we need it. We need to have those real talks. (laughs) Thank you. Well, because it's funny because I actually was um, an NASM certified personal trainer 
And I was, I had clients for a while. I was coaching boot camps. I did the whole bodybuilding competition thing. I did that whole thing. And when I had my clients, I kept trying to have these like conversations with them. And they were just like, uh, I just really want you to tell me what to eat and what to do. And they like, I was trying to have these like deep, like trauma conversations and they were just not there for it. And I'm like, I think I'm in the wrong business right now. Like, not that you can't do that. Maybe I was attracting the wrong clients, but I was just like, I think I want to go into a different thing. And so that's when I did my yoga teacher certification and it kind of shifted me into a different place. How did you find like the yoga uh, community different in what sense? Just a little bit more open to certain spiritual ideas and not all of them. Like not everybody in the yoga community is what I like to call woo-woo because I'm a very woo-woo person and I'm very into really outlandish spiritual ideas. And um, But the yoga community compared to maybe the particular personal training community I was in at the time they were just not very open to have those deeper conversations and I I was realizing that most of my eating disorder behavior and all the stuff that I was going through was because of my emotional trauma and as I was realizing that I was like oh my god I want to share this with everybody and everybody should know this and then I'd share it and they're like ah I don't want to know that and I'm like okay never mind and so the people in yoga were just a little bit more like yeah I want to do the deep work and so I do tend to be a bit intense for people, and I've learned to embrace that rather than hide from it, but it took me a while, so. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you, like, talk about, like, how you had a hard time um, communicating with, you know, that those deeper conversations in the gym, because at least when I worked at a commercial gym, we focused primarily on 30-minute sessions. So even to, like, talk more in depth about nutrition and, you know, lifestyle habits and creating a balance between everything, like, it was it was a challenge. It, it relied me, me more um, just texting them, like, infographics and articles that they sometimes wouldn't read. <laughs> and so I, I kind of felt the same, like, there needs to be some other way for me to talk about all this knowledge that I have that I want to share. Um so that's why I started this podcast. But it's in, it's it's cool that you found your your community in the in the yoga in the yoga family. Yes, I love it. I love and I love my yoga family and I started the um certification with no intention of teaching at all. I had just been going to yoga for a while and I was like, "Oh, I want to like deepen my practice." And I didn't even teach for a few years after that because I started a pet sitting business mm. and I didn't have time. And then mm. when I moved back home, I just moved back home 3 years ago, I started teaching. Can you talk a little bit more about like what um like what is yoga for somebody that really hasn't does, doesn't know a lot about it or just knows yoga on the surface level like oh you you I don't know you stretch or that's what a lot of I, I hear a lot of people think you know say like oh yoga is essentially it's stretching right I'm like kind of well the coolest thing about yoga because I started doing it um years ago and I didn't like it I was bored I remember being really bored because I liked to dance and I like to do athletic things and uh And I found it kind of boring, but I got into it for the stretching. But the spiritual thing happened just while I was stretching because basically yoga means to yoke, which means to bring together. And so you're bringing together the breath and the body movement. And that particular action actually aligns you in a way that you don't even realize is happening. And so over time, I started to get more and more into like better mental places and more alignment. And it was just, it just happened. And so yes, yoga is stretching, but really what it is, is a mindfulness practice. It is a, it is a way to tune in to every facet of your being. And so 
I, you might, I don't know which episodes you listen to, but I do talk a little bit against Western medicine often on my podcast. And something that Western medicine misses is that the mind and the body are connected. And they always say, no, they are not. And they always are treating the actual illness and not the cause, which is what you talked about when you came on my podcast, is that you like to get people before they go to the doctor so that you can actually like treat them. And yoga it does that very beautifully by just melding together the body and the mind and addressing those things. And you don't even really realize it's happening because you are just stretching and breathing. Right. And it, But it seems like there's like two, two, um, two lanes or two ways that the mind and the body connects. Like it's, you're, you're encouraging that parasympathetic, you know, nervous response, that rest and relax response. But then I feel like because it's it's very mellow it's very silent you have a chance to to think where things kind of just pop into your head you know you you realize that they're there you kind of process them or you go into a little wormhole sometimes um if you know if not it's just you know whatever happens you kind of let it go but i feel like even that is a form of like you said meditation of therapy of just being becoming aware of how you are mentally what are you thinking about how what is the language that you're using yeah and so many people go through life not even knowing what their brain is doing they just kind of have it on autopilot and so yoga is a really good opportunity like you said it's like a meditation and I like to call it a moving meditation and I have processed so many things like if I have something going on I could just go to my mat I go to yoga and I'm I cry or I feel things or I listen to what my brain is saying and it's like a really good place to process and just cultivate awareness basically nice i think i i love how you say you it cultivates awareness because i one of my biggest uh philosophies is that you know as when we're kids we you know live and thrive off of our awareness and our intuition you call it our um our instincts if you want um but as we grow up for whatever reasons uh we we lose touch with our body with our intuitions with our you know, uh, learning and understanding what our our mind and body needs of us instead of we're relying of like, oh, well, this is what our parents expect of us. This is what society expects of us. And so I think even regardless if it's like yoga, if it's, you know, dancing, if it's any type of movement, it really brings you back into that natural state. Exactly. Because think about, I like that idea of you know think about when you were a kid and you're moving all freely and you're doing whatever you want and your parents go no 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 don't do that do this and you slowly over time get told how to behave and so your intuition goes out the window there was one episode that you were talking about how you know um like screw what's what um doctors tell you um you got to listen to your intuition and even though that's kind of a controversial opinion like you hard whole believe that you understand your body the best. No one else can understand your body as much as you can. So you have to listen to it. And I think that without doing some kind of meditation or some kind of yoga, some kind of movement, you you aren't able to to get that. Can you kind of speak like how have you noticed within yourself or within your clients um, like the progression with yoga, you know, they start off like very surface level and then like how do they kind of progress? It's very different for everybody, but you do see like it just it's like a natural progression for each person. They just start to get a little bit more in touch with what they're thinking or they start being 
a little bit kinder to themselves or they start moving a little bit differently or a really big one, which you might see even in personal training, is body awareness. So a lot of people mm. don't even really know where their bodies are in space. Like they don't know where their arms are. They just, mm. it's so I'll say a cue and they kind of like don't even know how to do it because they're like, where, where is my arm? Like they don't know where it is. And so they find that body awareness. Um, but there is a progression, but it is, it's just very different for every person. And it's a very individual experience. And so... The biggest thing is that I can hope that anybody who's listening to this can go in with an open mind because you really don't know exactly what's going to happen because a lot of us don't even know what's going on in there until you start moving around and checking it out. So yes, I guess to answer your question, there is a progression, but it's just very individual. Hmm. Okay. What about like the uh, physiological benefits? Like how, you know, can you speak about like how does yoga actually change or our physiology, our body. Absolutely. So, well, one of my favorite things to practice um, for anybody, because anybody can do this, is pranayama, which is breathing. Um, and there is a particular one, which I will, I'll send you a link because I've got a video of me teaching it. So maybe people can try this, but it's alternate nostril breathing. And it's scientifically proven to balance the energies in the right and left hemispheres of the body and calm your nervous system. And so that is just one tiny example of one little yoga practice that can change your entire physiology. So if you're having like a panic attack, that is something that you can do in order to just bring yourself back to center. But over time, obviously flexibility is a big one, but also, and I'm sure we'll speak to this in a little bit, getting into the corners of your body where you are holding trauma. There, are, I, I always joke when I put people in hip openers, when I put them in pigeon or open hip poses that I call it like crying pigeon because people will start crying when they're in pigeon because we hold all of these stale emotions in our hips and when you start to open them up things come out and so that is one um I could and as you can tell I'm a little bit of a scatterbrained Aquarius I talk about that on my podcast all the time I have a hard time staying on track but that is um one of many physiological changes that you get from yoga and flexibility is the obvious one but it really I think nervous system is something that really responds well to yoga I think that um if you've got anxiety, depression, any sort of struggle with that, yoga is a really powerful tool for that. But it just happens over time. I see. Because I'm also, um, I'm, I'm assuming because yoga primarily maintains that, that parasympathetic uh, environment, like it, it helps if you have you know, chronic stress to, to not progress to that stage where it starts affecting your health, whether it's with... Um, you know, chronic high blood pressure or um, some kind of like, uh, uh, what's the other one? Um, high blood pressure, uh, like maybe even some like heart issues, whether it's palp- palpitations, just from stress itself. I'm sure that that helps a lot. Um, and then going into kind of what you were saying with, with the trauma, like, you know, I... I, I agree, you know, I think that the body is really good at pushing through and just kind of, you know, uh, what's the word, uh, adapting to whatever circumstances or issues that you have, like you, the body is really good at just pushing forward, even with movement, like if, if somebody has a, you know, tight uh, calves, and they, you, you want them to squat, like they're gonna move in a way that gets them to their goal whether that you know means lifting up your heels and stay on your toes as you squat 
I'm assuming it's the same thing with the emotional response. You know, your body finds a way to just keep you moving you forward. Absolutely. And it moves over it almost. And so that's something I've been talking a lot about on my platform lately is inner child work and that emotional trauma and how we hold it in the body and how basically your inner child drives the bus without you realizing it. So you adapt to things that happened to you in your childhood. And I had a particularly traumatic childhood, but even if you didn't, there are things that you picked up as a kid that you use as your habits now and you just never have even questioned them because you brought them from childhood into adulthood and now they're kind of driving the bus and a lot of them are primarily emotional and so those emotional things are happening within your body and you're storing them and like mine I store a lot in my guts I've got a lot of gut problems because of what happened and a lot of people hold it in their shoulders they hold it in their hips they hold it in wherever and then like you said like even like similar to that squat they find movement patterns that adapt to that and they just kind of go around it. But then you find you're 70 years old and you've got all this pain in your body and you've got all this emotional stuff that you've never even looked at. And your dis-ease, the word disease comes from dis-ease or a state of dis-ease, which comes from this kind of trauma. And we are not taught... Our society does not teach us to look at it. Honestly, our society teaches us to mute it with mm. alcohol and drugs and mm. things that we like just pushing it away and never looking at it. And so I'm really passionate about that with yoga because it is a really one of many tools that you can use to start to look at it in a safe container because a lot of us don't feel safe to look at it. And so I like to use yoga as a tool to create a safe place to open up and start to look at that stuff. I see. So it's kind of like... Um... Like you have, you know, school that's like the your place for learning and studying. You have, um, let's say, your work that's a place for, you know, organization and routine. It's the same thing. You have your yoga that's the place for, you know, emotional, um, what would you say, digestion, emotional digestion? Yes, digestion. emotional digestion. That's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> too is like yoga is not, and it's not just that like I know that I'm kind of going on my little passion project here and talking a lot about the emotional part of it you don't have to want to do deep crazy traumatic work to do yoga so I just want to make that clear like it's not just like a therapy right. it can be and to kind of create mobility in the body which in workouts and stuff a lot of people like I go to um like an Olympic lifting gym right now with group classes and so many of those people are struggling with mobility and they can't do certain things in the gym because they don't have mobility in their body. And so yoga is also a beautiful way to bring mobility into the body. There you go. And since we're talking about mobility, I know I recently heard um, somebody say that yoga isn't for people that, or yoga is for people that are flexible. And I thought, well, it makes sense. Some of the positions, you know, your body is going to adapt to it just like anything else. Are there other like misconceptions that you hear people talk about all the time? That is the biggest misconception is that people are like, well, I can't go to yoga. I'm not flexible. I'm like, oh, my God, that's why you go to yoga. Like you need to go to yoga because you're not flexible. Like and that's the whole thing is people don't realize that the breathing techniques are what bring flexibility into the body and so like I see a lot of people before workouts do a quick little stretch do their workout and then they leave and I'm like oh my god you're missing so much beautiful opportunity to create space in your body because once you're warm if you would spend 10 minutes breathing into your body I actually have a video um like post yoga workout stretch for people who don't stretch after they work out I'll have to post that for you um but if you actually spent that time like when your muscles are warm, rather than sitting in your car and tightening everything, you breathe into it, you create space in the body, but it takes a long time, which people, especially if you're kind of inflexible, it, 
it stresses people out. They don't want to spend that much time doing it, but I guarantee you, you'll be glad you did when you're 60 and 70. That's the, it's one of those practices that's worth it. That's true. But, but even then, I feel like that's, you know, there's a flaw in their logic. Just because you go work out once doesn't mean you're going to have instant results. Like you go to the gym every single day and you won't notice a change. But then months later, three months later, you're like, whoa, I look completely different. The same thing with, with mobility work. It's, it's a long, it's a long term, you know, road. It, it 100%. It's 100%. And I what, plan on the, the long game. Yeah. And I plan on, <laughs> I plan on practicing yoga until I die. Like, and I, and I, so the other thing, the other facet of yoga, there's so many of them, but of the physical practice of yoga is if anybody is listening is athletic, there are a lot of fun places that you can go in a yoga practice. So if anybody goes onto my page, I don't want you to be intimidated, but like sometimes I'll post pictures of me doing like really crazy arm balances or inversions. I love to stand on my head. I love to balance on my arms. I love to do all these things. And if you are an athletically inclined person, that challenge part of yoga is really fun. And it it actually helps you overcome your mental limits. I always talk about that in my classes where I'm like, headstands and arm balances are not about showing off. You're not there to like show off other people what you're doing. You're more teaching yourself what you think your limits are and then pushing past them. And it's actually a really beautiful part of yoga. Nice. That's, that sounds awesome. I know I live through the philosophy that you can't, you can't grow in your comfort zone. You have to keep challenging yourself and it's fun too. You know, like how, you know, how far can I push myself? (laughs) Um, But then, so then kind of transitioning uh, from yoga as like a something to work towards or something that that is a form of therapy it also seems like it's a form of self-care but then in your your podcast you talk about you know self-care isn't always the same as self-love and you kind of touched upon it already a little bit but can you expand a little bit more about what do you mean you know what is self-love versus self-care how do, how do they look different? And this is kind of a new thing that I've started to bring into my platform that I feel really strongly about. And so self-love is a big buzzword right now, right? So everybody is like, oh, self-love, I need to love myself, but I don't even know what that means. And so then you look up self-love and it's like, take a bubble bath, drink a glass of tea, read a book, go for a walk. And it's like, that's all great. But to me, those are all self-care tools that will lead you to deeper self-love. So not to be confused with self-love, which to me means getting messy and inquiring about yourself. So I like to call it like radical self-discovery. And so in order to, well, let's see, how can I put this without getting too long-winded? I also think that self-love is source love. So your connection to source, God, universe, whatever it is. So in order to really love yourself, you have to be willing to peel back all of the layers of who you think you are and get to the deep part of who you actually are, which requires messy work, which requires getting to the root of all of your stories and the things that you tell yourself and the things that happened to you as a kid that make you who you are today and the things that get in your way and all of that is what gets you to self-love. And so people go, they, they, they'll reach out to me for coaching and they want to go on a self-love journey and they want me to tell them how to love themselves. And all of the pillars in my coaching program are all like doing the deep shit, messy work. And they're like, whoa, like I was not <laughs> expecting that because they think that self-love is self-care. And they're like, I thought I was going to take a bubble bath and meditate a little bit. And I'm like, no, we're going to get to the root of what's going on with you. And a lot of people are not ready for that. And so that's why I like the tools of yoga. That's why I like the tools of self-care, because as long as you're showing up for yourself every day in some way, the self-love will happen eventually on its own. And like you said, on my podcast with those five different stages, which I will not be able to repeat back to you, but you know what they are. Um, 
Just sort of that, like... The Dicamente's change. Yeah, tell me again, because it's actually perfect. There we go. So it's like the... Mm -hmm. Yes. Pre-contemplation is you have no desire to change. You don't think anything is wrong. You're living life happy. Uh, Contemplation is you're starting to think, you know, maybe I should change. Or maybe, you know, I want to try, experiment something else in my life. Um, Preparation is now you're actually preparing. Okay, so if, you know, I want to uh, start healing these emotional traumas or I want to start working out I want to start you know improving my mobility what is that going to look like what you know classes are you going to take what videos are you going to watch um action is now you're actively doing the habits or actively doing the the actions and then the last one is maintenance that's what it's called maintenance phase now you've been doing now you've been doing the the actions for s- at least 6 months and you said and that people have to go through that about 5 times before they actually y- yes that's what de Clemente, um found in his in his study and his uh, theory that it usually takes about five rounds of us going forward, going backwards, going forwards, going backwards, restarting until we finally reach that maintenance phase of that action. So if, you know, you're really good at, at working out, but not so great at mobility, like you might have already reached your maintenance phase for your, your workouts. But now mobility, that's a whole other animal. You got to restart that that whole cycle and process again. So it's very, so that process I think applies here. So if you are like starting a self-love, self-care journey and the only thing that you're able to do for yourself right now is meditate for two minutes a day and maybe go for a walk and that's more than enough for you, you're going to go through that process and eventually you'll get to the point where you start to notice a couple things and go, okay, maybe I will do a video or a class or something to help me with this thing. And it, it just, and it's never ending. You'll be doing it until you die. That's the thing that people don't like to hear is that there is no destination for this because you're always going to be inquiring about yourself and learning new things. And, and so that's kind of, that's, that's my main spiel about self-care versus self-love. Yeah. Going to what you're saying, like how people don't like to hear that it's, it's long-term, I would say, well, because it's long-term, you find something that you actually enjoy. Don't just do it because somebody told you like that's your starting point, but then, you know, customize it, make it yourself. Um, and then I actually recently, um, I saw a meme, um, but it was a very wise meme. It said, if you don't like the idea or you don't really resonate with the idea of self-care, call it system maintenance. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, what is that system maintenance of a human? What does that look like? You sleep, you know, you eat, you, you know, relax, you do bubble baths, you get a massage, whatever system maintenance looks like for you. Whereas self-love, that's, that's something different. And I think even just, you know, being silent. I feel like we live in a society that's super loud and there's a lot going on that we we often either don't, we underestimate the power of silence or we're, we're kind of uncomfortable with that silence because all these like things start popping up. You're like, ah, it's too much to process. <laughs> like I'm not ready to deal with all that stuff. But I think even just silence and silence comes from, you know, like a yoga. It's usually pretty quiet and it's meditation. Like you're not really saying anything. There's not a lot going on, but even just through movement, right? You're going on a walk, you're listening. Being quiet with themselves, that's something that people... So I teach um, I teach a lot of different yoga, but restorative yoga 
is something that I teach that I call adult nap time because we basically just lay on the floor with like pillows and blankets and roll around and it's like really quiet and meditative and people struggle so hard with that. They really, they squirm and they like can't sit with their thoughts. And that is just proof to what you just said is that in our society, we're uncomfortable with the silence. We've got constant stimulation. And I mean, think about back in the 1800s, they had sitting rooms where they could just sit and think for hours is what they would do. And now we're on our phone constantly. We have constant stimulation and no time to process it. And so that actually does translate into disease and discomfort and tightness and pain in the body. And it's really important to be addressed, I think. There we go. Um, I think that is, I think we got everything that I, that I wanted to address. Did we? Oh, cool. Yes. <laughs> this was, this was awesome. This was more than I expected. So thank you so much for sharing oh, your wisdom. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been really fun. Um, if, you know, if listeners, if you want to reach out and listen to, to Jen's podcast, can you let them know like where you can, they can find you or what other, you know, websites, anything else that you want to share? you have the open floor. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so my podcast is the Self Love Yogi Podcast. It's on Spotify, Amazon, uh, iTunes, all the things. And then I have my website, which is selfloveyogi.com. So yogi is Y-O-G-I. And you can find all of my stuff there. So I've got some little freebies on there. I've got a little self-love bingo card that you can do to just kind of bring some self-care into your life and just start doing that process, whatever that looks like for you. I've got a free little mini workbook that people can download if they'd like to do that. I also do one-on-one self-love coaching. Like I said, it is the messy self-love. It is not bubble baths. It is like self-inquiry times 10. Um, And then, yeah, Instagram is my favorite place to be. So uh, I'm at the selflove.yogi. And every Monday I go live and I pull oracle cards. And so I do like a little card reading. And so, like I said, I'm very woo-woo. So that may not be everybody's cup of tea. But if you like that sort of thing, I'm into crystals and card readings and tarot and that sort of thing. And so you can come hang out with me on Instagram just to see if I've got anything that can help you. Nice. I'll go check it out on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on Monday. It's fun. <laughs> All right. Um, and then as we're wrapping up this episode, uh, we're going to introduce the manifest challenge. So for anybody that's new listening to this episode or this podcast, the manifest challenge, um, it's an action step that helps you progress in your journey. Usually it relates to the, the theme and the topic of this conversation. So, um, I think we were kind of talking earlier, and we think uh, your bonus card. You're gonna you're gonna explain it better than you're I can. Explain it better than yeah. I can. <laughs> bonus card. It's just like a bingo. It's like a cute little like self care bingo card, and it just has little things that you can check off every time you do like a self care action item. But like, if if it weren't for that, I would say an action item would be to get quiet with yourself two minutes every single day. If you could just sit down, even if you're not, if you're laying in bed and you're not ready to get up yet, just lay in bed for two minutes completely silent and just be there and then get up and go on with your day. And you can increase that over time. But that little tiny mindfulness practice will make huge strides in your life if you just start there. There you go. So you got options. You could do one, you could do both, you could do, you know, it's up to you. (laughs) But there you go. Well, thank you so much again. um, And I will link all her, her, um, links and websites in the description box below and until next time this is uh, your host teresa sedeno from the fitness manifest podcast side effects might include motivation empowerment giggles enlightenment inspiration Boop,